Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Special for you. It's time for Cougar Sports on ESPN 960. This is something special for you. Here's your host, Ben Criddle. ESPN 960, this is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Criddle, broadcasting live from our Wasatch Medical Clinic. WasatchMedicalClinic.com studio. Stop living with ED, live without it today at Wasatch Medical Clinic. WasatchMedicalClinic.com. Got a great show for you, as always, on a Monday edition of Cougar Sports, celebrating the Super Bowl. Hopefully you enjoyed the Super Bowl. The friends and family members ate lots of food and enjoyed the quite entertaining, yet anticlimactic, Super Bowl game. It was entertaining throughout. It was fantastic entertainment football american football entertainment at its finest uh not including the super bowl show i mean it was okay it was decent i uh, got a little weirded out at one segment i'll tell you how it felt if you had not followed me on twitter at any rate the super bowl was incredible it was fun uh it was uh, electric uh it was emotional it was physical it was uh one of the better super bowls i think in the modern era but that ending was not what we all wanted. That's not, it didn't fit the script, as some people are telling me. At any rate, we're going to delve into it, get into all the nooks and crannies. We're going to debate it and uh, discuss it with you. I think Cougar Nation's actually split on this particular debate. There are the absolutists, the altruists, the objective individuals that like to abide by the rules as dictated in the handbook. Those are the the missionaries that never slept in past 6.30. They went to bed at, like, 10.30. They never were they, – they, they were always in before uh, they, they were supposed to be. Uh, you know, I can't remember what the, 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 uh, the curfew was in certain countries and certain regions, but they read the, the handbook every P-Day in the morning to start their, their, their P-Day. These are the linear type A personalities. It's a, it's a, if it's a hold, it's a hold. It's a foul, it's a foul. And you call it as it is. Objectively. There's no subjectivity, no nuance, no gray area whatsoever. And then there, and the other individuals are like, wait a second. Wait just a tick. There could be a holding call on every single play. So you just want flags being thrown every single play to disrupt the entertainment value of the game? Just because a minor hold occurred on a critical drive, you know, doesn't mean you have to throw that 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 flag because it disrupts the the entertainment value. And this is still an entertainment game, okay? And furthermore, the team still had to finish. Philadelphia had to finish that drive if given, you know, a minute thirty or what have you, right? So. Let's discuss it. We're going to break it all down. Want to get your thoughts. Cougar Nation split on this matter. Uh, where do you stand? Are you a, uh, are you an individual that thinks that the holding call was the right call and the right team won? Or are you the individual that says, man, that holding call was a little ticky-tacky and it shouldn't have been called that you wished it wouldn't have been called so that we could have had a very intriguing, amazing, possible amazing finish to the Super Bowl? over the weekend lots to get to let's uh uh 
make all right, let me let me uh, break down all the all the things we're going to get into. Make sure you're listening to us 960 AM dial. You can stream us on the website ESPN960Sports.com. The TuneIn app, the ESPN960 app. You can download the app, of course from the respective app stores. Also, tell your smart speaker, hey, smart speaker, listen to Cougar Sports with Ben Criddle. Hey, smart speaker, listen to the ESPN 960 app. You can download the podcast as well, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We appreciate it when you do. Also, a reminder that you can check out the Cougar Sports Instant Replay, 7 to 9 a.m. Monday through Saturday, and uh, make sure you're following us at Criddle Benjamin at ESPN 960 Sports for all of our questions and polls of the day. The hotline also open to you, 844-442-0960. That's 844-442-0960. Let's fire up the ESPN 960 starting line of music so I can introduce you to my co-host and the rest of the Star Center cast that will be joining us for this Monday edition of Cougar Sports. Coming in with some fuego today. We disagree on the holding call already. He's bringing enmity to this show already. He says, we're fighting we're verbally assaulting each other. And I said, hey, man, I'm just a pacifist that's looking for truth. Let's welcome in from KSL.com, Cougar Sports Insider, Sean Walker. What's up, Sean? Wow, we're going to fight today, Ben. We're, we're going to fight so hard today. We're not going to fight. No, I'm we're not about- actually going to fight. We're not actually going to debate. I think we actually agree a lot more than we do. Sure, but sure. agreement is terrible sports radio. And I am here to debate. To drive your ratings. Let's go, baby. I am here to drive those ratings. So let's let's drive them. Let's drive all them. the enmity. Let's do it. Can't wait for Sean Walker by my side. Gavin Lee on the social. Gab, did you have a good weekend? I did. Did you? You bet your bottom dollar I did. Thank you for asking. Let's also yes. welcome in Better Ronald. Better the BYU basketball team. Ronald Weaver the third. He's producing today. What's up, Ronald? How was your weekend? My weekend was good. My guy Pat Mahomes got his second, as I said he would. And to confirm, it was a hold. All right, he's that's where he stands. It was a hold, and should it have been called? Yes, because it's the team that has the momentum at the time, and if it was reverse, Philadelphia would have wanted it to be called. Philadelphia on the offensive side of the ball isn't going to say, no, don't call it. Let us have a great finish and kick the field. Like, no, Philadelphia is going to want the same privileges that Kansas City has, and we've seen that. We've seen a lot of teams benefit from this. This is unfortunate because, yes, it was a critical situation and a critical down in the biggest moment of the game. You know, in half the country – you know, with or without the call, whether they would have gone with it, it doesn't matter. At that point, the player should not have put the hand should not have put the game in the ref's hands, and he did. And unfortunately, that's on him. Respect to him on owning it after in the post game. But if you don't want that, either one, don't get caught or don't do it. And when you're beat, you tend to cheat or try to get it so you don't get beat because that looked like a touchdown if he doesn't hold him. This is the thing, right? As I mentioned, you can call a holding play on every single play. This is the nature of the business. Uh, this is the nature of the game. These are facts. You watch any given play. Defensive backs are holding. Offensive linemen are holding. E- everyone is holding to, to a certain extent. And you could literally, I'm telling you right now, you could probably throw flags on almost every single play and justify it. It would be, that's why the whole objective holding and like, oh, you got to call it how it is. It's the handbook. I struggle with it because... The reason why Philadelphia's defense is as good as they are is because they hold. They, they the defensive backs and linebackers they hold. They they disrupt routes. Um, they're not always called, and, and it's it's fairly nuanced sometimes. These holds a tug here. Now when a wide receiver is targeted, and that's what happened on this final play. When a wide receiver is targeted, and the quarterback is eyeing that receiver. Sure. Obviously, all eyes are on that particular play. All of those eyes are, are are on that particular player, set of players. And that's why it was ultimately called, because Mahomes was staring down the out and up, and there was a hold there. But that had been happening the entire game. It just had been. And the offensive linemen for Kansas City and for Philadelphia were holding the defensive linemen on almost every single freaking play. So technically, it's a hold. Just like technically there were hundreds of, of holds prior to that from both teams. The question is when and when when or when should it not be thrown? When or should that or should it not that that hanky ultimately be thrown? That's why I struggle with the whole objective take of well it's a hold it's a hold. Well there there are plenty of holds that should have been should have been called then and and this one I'm watching should have been called as well and maybe it was just karma because this should have been a completion earlier in the game 
when Kansas City was driving. Maybe it was it all came about like it should, and Philadelphia has been getting away with holds all season long, and that's why they're that good. That's why their defense is top-notch. University of Utah is a good example of this. Their defensive backs, from the time they enter into the program, are taught to get hands-on wide receivers, tight ends, and disrupt routes all day. Tug, grab, ask any BYU wide receiver, running back, tight end that has ever gone up against the University of Utah defense. They will say they hold all day, and they typically get away with it because they practice holding. They will latch onto you. They will tug and let go, and it disrupts your route. They'll grab a hold of your wrist, tug, and let go. That takes you out of your drive phase of your routes. It, it, it disrupts you getting out of your routes. It's all about biomechanics and movement, and it's one of the reasons why Charles Barkley at six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds was one of the best rebounders in the NBA. You watch that guy; he's hand checking guys. He's using his big old butt to kind of get you off your rhythm when you try to elevate and jump. He's very grounded. Anyway, I digress, but realize. The objective claim here of going by the handbook is a bunch of freaking bullpucky because you would throw flags on every single play. This is ultimately an entertainment game, and I I, I wanted to see that final drive. I think it was ticky-tacky. It was very light. It was overthrown. Even if he would have been unabated on that out-and-up route, he does not get to that ball, in my opinion. I don't think he gets to it. I think it was so overthrown by 10-plus yards that he is not there anyway in time. And that's my take on it because from an entertainment value, and I know it's hard to make those. I'm not judging the ref for it. I'm just saying I wish it wouldn't have been called. I'm not going to burn the ref at the stake like, oh, this is a horrible call. No, ultimately, technically, objectively, that was a hold, and Mahomes was eyeing that out and up almost from the beginning, and then he threw it. So all eyes were fixated on that matchup, and that's why it was called. But deep down, in the bottom of my heart, you know, I, I wished it wouldn't have been called so that we could have seen a minute 30 of Jalen Hurts, who I thought I, I wished he had that opportunity to match whatever, whatever occurred with Kansas City. They, they could have scored a touchdown. We don't know. Right, they, they they probably would have kicked a field goal, right? We don't know what would have happened, but it probably would have been a field goal. And then you have a, a situation where, you know, maybe Philadelphia wins. I'm glad, realize, I wanted Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs to win. So anyone that's like, Ben, you're rooting on the Philadelphia Eagles, bull-loney. No, I'm not. I just care about probably the entertainment of it. As a if I'm the If I'm an Eagles defensive back, I wish it wouldn't have been called. If I'm a Kansas City Chief wide receiver, I'm calling for that flag. I am an unbiased bystander right now just evaluating the situation from a purely entertainment standpoint. I wanted to see Philadelphia have a minute to go down and score. Thought it would have been tremendous. If Philadelphia would have won, I'd have said, dang it. I wish Andy Reid would have got the dub. Would I have lost sleep about it? No, I wouldn't have. You know, but Entertainment is all I was going for, and some people don't want that. And I get it. That's why fans can fan the way that they want to. Those objectively speaking, I get it. I understand it. Those that are like, man, I want the entertainment value. I wish Jalen would have had that opportunity. I wish Philly would have had that opportunity. Totally get it. There's not a right or wrong answer is what I'm getting at. It's just how you like to consume your football. And that's okay. So I'm not going to fight you necessarily on the fact that, hey, it was the right call. Right, wrong, indifferent. I just wish he would have had an opportunity. I wish it wouldn't have been called. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. Uh, I just think that I would have left the game a little bit more satiated with that opportunity for Jalen to match. It's just like an overtime game, right? I want the opportunity for that team to match whatever the other team had done. And there's something that completes you. And everyone's like, well, they had all of the the first half, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter leading up to that minute 30 that was left to be out in front, 
to get out front. I get it. No, that's objectively speaking, 100%. This is one of the few times where I am very subjective in my opinion and in my take, and I feel like there's gray area. I, I really do. I think there's more gray area in this world than we like to, to, to lead on many times, and I think this is one of those areas. Sean Walker, KSL.com, uh, you're by my side. I want to delve into this with you. Let me tell you the rest of our ESPN 960 starting lineup. Sean Walker, Gavin Lee, Ronald Weaver the third. Check it out. A star-studded cast, no doubt. John Beck's going to join us at 3.30. Give us his take. Greg Welch, Vanquish the Foe at 5.05. Maverick McManus, 5.30. we got Kyle Collinsworth. Excuse me. I, did, I forgot to put it in there. Kyle Collinsworth at 405. So Kyle Collins, we're going to join us to talk some uh, BYU men's hoops and talk. Uh, just get up to date on his uh, his career overseas. He's in Japan right now, balling out. Should be a great, should be grand, should be a wonderful show. Uh, we may have some sound bites as well, but let's get into the nitty gritty. Brought to you by Bucked Up, BuckedUp.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to present our dancers with their interpretation of the nitty-gritty. So anyways, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. The nitty-gritty always brought to you by BuckedUp.com. Go to BuckedUp.com and purchase delicious supplements that will sustain your mind, body, and soul uh, with uh, all manner of energy, whether it's the uh, the pre-workout, whether it's the branched amino acids, the creatine. Get buff, get healthy, be healthy and strong. Use Bucked Up uh, as your focused nutrition supplier. I've been loving the gummies. Becoming healthier is delicious now. Experience the power of the gummy at BuckedUp.com. Utilize that Criddle 20 coupon code, Criddle 20, Criddle 20, Criddle 20 for 20% off your variety pack, 20% off your favorite uh, supplements today. All right, so I put out a poll, Sean, and we got about 1,000 votes here. I said, what's your take on the final play? Or final play of the, I guess it wasn't final play, uh, the holding call, right? I don't even, what have we dubbed it? Is there a particular call? Is there a particular name for this play? Most people are just calling it the hold. The hold, okay, we'll call it the hold. The, the Philly special, if you're a Chiefs fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Chiefs fans uh, didn't like it, right? Bradbury's blunder. Okay, there you go. I don't really like naming the defensive back, though, so I don't know how to feel about that one. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. You don't want to throw him under the bus. Yeah. Right call it was holding, wrong call it was ticky-tack. Uh, 60-40 is where we're at. 60% of Cougar Nation thinks it was the right call it was holding. Uh, 40% say wrong call it was ticky-tack. Um, I know where you stand. Right call was holding, and and it, it was uh, It was fair. No one can really argue with it, right? It was it was verifiably a hold. It was even if it was within the the five yards of contact, it was still a hold. You can't sure. hold on to guys within the five yards. Like you can't be draped all over them and tugging on their jerseys and slowing them down uh, in that way. You can impede them, but you can't hold them. There's a difference. Blocking, um, screening, right? limiting yeah uh, i think the rule book says something about like natural impediment to the receiver's flight path or something like there that. you go like, yeah. yeah yeah you can get you can deviate yeah. them with 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 yeah. body shoving hits and things like that within that five holding yard cushion. hugging that kind of thing that's not natural yeah. that's not like especially when it's and it has to do with fabric so like i've seen guys like one of my favorite techniques when i was playing was to grab the wrist so you look at your anatomy right just pull out your anatomy where can you hold on to someone where there's like a bony structure where you can kind of hold on to it? It's the lower arm right above the elbow that you can kind of grab, but it's it, that that condyle, the medial condyle, the lateral condyle, they kind of sit, you know, it's, but it's a bony protuberance that you can kind of grab a hold of and hang on to it for a second. But the best place to go is right at the wrist. Mm -hmm. If I get a hold of your wrist, like I'm running side to side, I grab that wrist as you're right on trying that, to throw right on that sesamoid process. 
or whatever. Not the sesamoid bone. That's the one in the foot, but right yeah. the, the wrist equivalent. Of yeah. It. So yeah. like your your where your, where your thumb is right at, just at the at the at the wrist, right, right there at the wrist, because it's really easy to kind of grab a hold on, and then you're running with them and kind of tugging on that arm, and they can't get into their linear or get out of their drive phase. They're trying to get away. You can disrupt them, and you can get away with that very easily because you're not grabbing onto what? Fabric. This was a fabric hold. I get it. There's no nuance in that regard. It was still a hold. Technically, it was a hold by the rule book, and so that's where we're at right now. But I, I kind of take it from there, Sean. Give me your thoughts, and then we'll, uh, we'll allow uh, our guy Ronald to d- break it down as well. And, and here's – and. Here, here's the deal: is like, yes, objectively, uh, what James Bradbury did against Juju Smith-Schuster mm-hmm. was a hold. He even admitted to it; it was holding. I tugged his jersey. Yeah. I was hoping they would let it slide. So, well, they've been letting it slide yeah, all game. Like objectively, it's ob- like objectively, it was a hold. Objectively, it was also the kind of hold that defensive backs do. I'm not gonna say every play, but probably every other oh my, play every, regularly. Oh, oh my god, they're doing it all the time. Like every so play, okay, and they're not calling it. So That's proving, the problem. So you're proving my point for me. The, the refs, if they do it all the time, if it's a constant technique that is taught and practiced and drilled and done every single play, every single down, then why is it in the rule book? Why is this something that officials they have don't to continue want to, to adjudicate? They don't want to disrupt. They don't want to disrupt the, the, why, the play. Why is this? They don't want to disrupt. It's like to me, it's like the ump. This is where the inconsistency lies because they allow it on all of these plays leading up. Over, oh, I mean, how many offensive plays were there in this game for, for on both sides? Was it like 120? Let's say it's 120 plays, roughly, um, maybe more than that. They're allowing it for most of the uh, game. 125. All right, 125 games. Yeah, they're allowing it for most of these these plays. It's like, and I know they can't have eyes on everything. I know they can't have eyes on every matchup. It's very difficult to do as a as a as a ref as an ump. But the inconsistency is like a a, a baseball umpire calling two inches off the plate balls all game, and then all of a sudden at the end of the game, three two count, and it's two inches off the plate, and he calls a strike just to get him down. That that's where I I struggle with this. Does that make sense? Because you got to be consistent. You must set the expectation prior to the game, prior to the match, whatever it is, that it, this is how I'm going to call the game. Same thing in basketball. you just got to be consistent. you, you got to know how they're going to call the game. And maybe, maybe that's not the ref's or ump's job. But you'd think that if they called it a certain way in the first, second, and third quarter and into the fourth, that they would be consistent with a minute 30 left, but they weren't. And that's where I struggle. Does that make sense? I need consistency. If you're going to call it one way throughout the game and then switch it up with 130 left, I need to know that, uh, that that's the type of ref or ump you are. You can't call a ball, you can't call a strike two inches off the plate if you've not been calling that all game. You just can't. That's where it's like, well, well no, I just had four at bats. Uh, this is my fifth at bat, and that has been a ball all game long. And now, now, because it really matters, and all eyes are on that particular. Right. If it's a play, if it's a play where everybody on the field and everybody around the field is looking at that play, and it's a very clear and obvious call, it's a very clear and obvious penalty. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is a call that you have to make because then the other side is. The other side is that call doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's a surefire touchdown on Juju Smith-Schuster. Then you've got Chiefs fans that are up in arms that there was a hold that wasn't called. The refs weren't doing their job, quote-unquote, yeah, yeah. weren't activating Either the penalties. Way, well, I agree. I, like, Either way, you're going to piss off a fan base because all and eyes I, were and on And I think you're play. even going to upset neutral observers from that point because you're because then you have – because then you have a play I think that you, is being decided I think by the can, lack as of a call. This is one of the reasons why I wish, if we're going to continue to have the human element here with umps and refs, right? Robots. I've been, what's that? Robots. Well, yeah, I've been hoping for we AI. We, AI. 
AI, right, just to determine. Because you could be calling. You could have flags every play. It'd be awesome. It'd be so fun to have a flag on every single play. Well, technically that's old. You were outside of the framework of this defensive lineman, offensive lineman. Your left hand was up on his shoulder pad, and that shoulder pad rose up. That's a hold. That's a hold. You know that that's what you're getting at right there when you talk about this objective, that you know, this objective manner of approach. It's like, well, within the rule book, you are. I can't remember what verbiage and terminology you use, but you're completely disrupting him, and you're outside the framework, not inside the framework of his pads. You're outside, and you're pulling up on that pad, right? But he wasn't in a position necessarily to get your quarterback, so not eyes. The eyes weren't sure. on him at that sure. time, so. All I'm saying is, like, it's really difficult. I I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I'm just giving you a different perspective on it. I just ask, as best as these men can, these very fallible umps, refs, etc., that they are consistent in their play calling and their their penalty calling wherever we're at in the game. That's what I would say. That's what I would want. And and there is a part of me, from an entertainment standpoint, that just wants – some subjectivity in these situations, sure. and and I'd be I would have fine with it because I'm a defensive back, bro. Like I understand that that is a hold. I still feel like it was an overthrown ball. It was not an accurate ball. He threw it over there, and he called. Like I understand where Pat was at. That was the matchup he wanted, and it was the right matchup. It was the match right call. I think there was plenty of nuance in the sense that hey uncatchable or within the five-yard barrier. Yeah, technically it was a hold, but it was it was very – it was fleeting. It was a fleeting hold. So if that if that hold doesn't happen – and this is, this is where I think it's possible for that call to be correct and for your defensive back to have been completely just and correct and accurate in his assessment of the situation and doing what he had to do defensively yeah. in order to impede that situation – if he doesn't hold, that's a touchdown right there. Yeah. If if he if the defensive back doesn't get in the way of the wide receiver, yeah. Juju Smith Schuster is catching a touchdown in the end zone. And you can say, sure, that's giving Philadelphia more time to respond. Okay, great. But if you're a defensive back, your job mm-hmm. isn't to determine how much time you have to re- your offense has to respond to score a touchdown. Your job as a defensive back, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong here, but your job as a defensive back is to prevent the touchdown. Like, like your job is to not give up points. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's part of why BYU fans have been so upset in so many ways with BYU's defensive coordinator and their defensive staff for the past couple of years because their number one job has always been so focused on giving up points, and eventually that led to giving up more and more points. But for so long, it was, well, Ben, don't break, Ben, don't break, Ben, don't break, Ben, don't break, Ben, don't break. Okay? So, so if, if, you're, if you're focused on your number one job, which is don't give up the touchdown, you're going to hold in a situation like that 11 times out of 10. Every single time. Mm-hmm. Every time. And, and, I, and I fully understand that. I think this is also another thing. That this is my like objective take from it. Right, right call, but it's ticky tack. Now, with that also being said, a hold's a hold. It's it, you can't. It's hard to tell a ref, hey, you know that's a hold week one through ten, but then don't like call it here in the but Super don't Bowl. Don't call it the Super Bowl. Yeah, like that's like, tough to say. But at the how same many time, holds or PIs were called in this game? And, but that's the, that's the next thing I was going to get to with being of, of consistency. There was zero. This is the only there, one, right? That, exactly. That was the only thing I was going to get to consistency so, when a I, PI hasn't been called the whole time. No holds. Yeah. Offensive lineman holds. Uh, none of that, that. That's you know going to make mean? people mad because there's no consistency. You really let that decide the game when there hasn't been a hold call the no whole game. We're going to go with man. that. And that's where I agree with fans of being a fan in that situation of, yeah, I'm pissed. You haven't called that the whole game, and now you want to pick in this moment to call it when we could have called it the whole game. Like if they had called that one that Ben talked about on his Twitter page of the first Juju Smith-Schuster and then this one again, there would be no argument. I feel like there would be no question about it. Like, okay, he got, he got ringed once, he got rung again. That's just unfortunate. The hard part, this is where I get into it, where I say maybe we should have, and I know they're not going to allow this and people disagree because it's an offensive league and I feel like rules and things keep getting implemented where defensive guys can't do their job to a degree. I would like it under two minutes where they go upstairs and they look at it, should a flag be picked up. That's going to piss a lot of people off. But coaches should be allowed to challenge 
flat uh, flags when they're thrown. Coaches should be allowed to look at that as well as refs under two minutes in the second and fourth quarter because if you go back to the Saints game when there was a clear P.I. that didn't get called and cost that team a chance at the Super Bowl, who's to say that this didn't cost Philadelphia? That's why I think there need to be other rules implemented around this because right call, yes, busy ticky-tack, like there's a lot uh, of stuff. I think you're dealing – I mean, that's going to – I mean, it's already fiery. You're going to you're gonna give uh, their, them an opportunity to subject I – li- I, I like – in this particular situation, I'm like, yeah, I wish the, the flag wouldn't have been thrown. I think there could be justification on both sides. Uh, but but if you're able to go back and like, well, this, this is going to disrupt the entertainment value of the game, maybe that's the answer. I don't know. Like, it's going to be crazy. I was like, all in the name of entertainment, you, you're going to get some fans that are going to – Go out. I mean, they're already bring VAR. To they're, the NFL. they're wanting to murder people over this. Like they are. Hey, the Chiefs got three crazy, third downs la- two weeks ago, Ben. Why there's not? You crazy know? people out there. That bring VAR money. to the NFL. That's why you don't gamble on these things because uh, it, it, it gets a little bit crazy. Gavin, you had some thoughts. Yes, I also think that there's a lot of people frustrated too because they saw how the Bengals Chiefs game finished out, and there was a lot of controversy in that game. And so now I think that's also part of the frustration too, is because. There's two controversial endings in the last two game, NFL games. Yeah. In a lot of ways, isn't it fitting that the day after the Super Bowl, uh, one of the best Super Bowls of all time, I believe the second highest scoring or tied for the second, maybe the third highest scoring Super Bowl of all yeah. time, uh, the second best quarter or comeback mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl era featuring two of really, I mean, two of, two of the best quarterbacks in the game, both the present and future and Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. we're talking about these incredible like we're talking about like incredible offensive performances we're talking about like historic moments and everything uh and this year in a year that was defined by officiating we're all talking about a call mm-hmm. and a referee's call and whether or not there was a defensive blunder and whether or not a ref should or shouldn't have made a call or not like it just seems very fitting for the 2022 mm-hmm. NFL season to end on a call like that. Not saying that it's yeah. right necessarily. I agree with you. For like for the purest sake of entertainment, yeah, yeah. maybe it's not right. But maybe it's a little bit fitting in some ways. I- I'm willing to hear that. James Bradbury, I- 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 he's a great defensive back. Um... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I feel for him. He went out and said, I was holding. I tugged his jersey. I was hoping they would let it slide. Why would he hope? Because he'd been doing it all freaking game and wasn't getting called. Right? He's been doing it all game. And that ref, that same ref, has watched him do that and not called it. Why? Because more often than not, that holding, that contact, that illegal contact, was done within the five-yard buffer and barrier, which they let those things typically slide. Now, this was an out-and-up with eyes on the, that particular receiver. It was pretty early on in in the play, and so that's why it was ultimately called. Um, and, you know, there was a little bit of uh, probably upheaval. Like, he had to throw it because he was right there seeing it and eyes on that particular situation. So within that five-yard zone, though, the illegal contact within five yards, the player, if the player who receives the snap remains uh, – so you go in, the, like, the rules and the definition of it. I, I kind of want to make it so that it's legal to hold within five yards. That's what I want to do. Again, I, 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 again you if you want to change them, the rules, change the rules. I, I almost I want to – and then then it's a legal contact as you go downfield or tugging. It, it, it's after five yards. Now, it, it's tough. I, I'm not – it was still a marvelous game. Can I just say that? It, it was, was a great still game. a very entertaining game. It was an game. incredible game. Do I wish deep down, yes, that, that Jalen had an opportunity? Of course. For entertainment value, and do I wish the the refs were more consistent? If you're going to call a hold late in the game, call it early in the game. If it's blatant, um, they let the players play. 
and they did for the most part. And I will give I will give the Eagles a ton of credit. Nobody used that moment as an excuse. Nobody piled on one DB for holding. Nobody piled on the officiating. Uh, the Eagles were very very good about the way they handled it because I think they realized too that yes we're talking about that play Ben that play really didn't decide this game. Yeah. Philadelphia not getting a stop in the entire second half. Yeah. Defined this game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kansas City scored on all four of their drives in the second half after being stopped on three of four, if you count a missed field goal, in the first half. That's where the story of the game should be, yeah, yeah, yeah. again. That's where it should be. But again, maybe it's fitting that we're talking about officiating in the year of the official in the National Football League. I'll, I'll say this much. Checkers, or chess not checkers here. The... Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff has coached up their players well because when given the opportunity to score, they did not score. Shout out to Kansas City. Uh, oh, man, who was the running back? It wasn't Pacheco. It was uh, McKinnon. Yeah, it was McKinnon. Yeah, McKinnon ended up sliding. Fantastic work. Philadelphia needs to realize that you still probably want to engage with that guy and tug him across the goal line as quickly as possible. You know, And that's a lesson learned, too. You know, I've seen guys pull them across the ends of very rarely, but that's another opportunity there for some coaching uh, in those situations. At any rate, we're going to go to break. We're going to talk about this with John Beck, get his thoughts on it in our question of the day. Don't miss it. John Beck joining us. That was our nitty-gritty, always brought to you by BuckedUpBuckedUp.com. Go to BuckedUp.com and purchase the best supplements in the business. This is Cougar Sports on ESPN 960. Just like the Cougar football team, Ben Criddle was built, not born. And since 2009, he's built himself into the go-to source on the radio and online for all things BYU. This is Cougar Sports with Ben Criddle on ESPN 960 and ESPN 960sports.com. Welcome back to the Sports ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Criddle broadcasting live from our Wasatch Medical Clinic, wasatchmedicalclinic.com studios. Stop living with ED. Live without it today at Wasatch Medical Clinic. Sean Walker, KSL.com, by my side. Gavin Lee on the social. Ronald Weaver, the third behind the glass. It is uh, time for a question of the day, but our band of the day is Queen. And Rock You uh, is the song. Always brought to you by RoyalArmyBrand.com. BYU Swagger to buy fans for fans. Make sure you're staying loyal to the Royal and repping the Y the right way. Always uh, imitate and never replicate it. Go to RoyalArmyBrand.com today. Let's uh, welcome in to the show uh, to break down our question of the day and poll of the day. we got former BYU Cougar great John Beck on the line. John, how you living, man? Thanks for joining us. Yep, you're welcome, Ben. I'm doing good, man. John, Super Bowl, uh, give me your thoughts on the hold. The uh, One of the final plays of this game as a quarterback, as an offensive player, give me your perspective on this particular play, how it went down, what you wish would have happened, or did it happen the way that you wanted it to go. That's tough because when you watch the game and you see it in slow-mo, you can see the arm and how like there was a little bit of a jersey pull, but that happens all the time. There's a little bit of an arm on the hip, but it doesn't really slow the receiver down. It's just tough because like when we watch it again in slow-mo, can you see like, yeah, I can kind of see why maybe, but when you compare that to the no-call, Rams versus Saints, when the guy got absolutely blasted before the ball got there and there was nothing called, that's the only thing for me as is like uh, to to make a call like that in that critical moment in a game when it was a bit of a nitpicky call, to me that's where that's just tough. It's tough to feel like, whoa, that was a really big call at a really important time of the game. And look, even if there wasn't a little jersey tug, like I, I don't know if that receiver gets to that ball. Yep. Not, I mean, not like not where they would make like a hey, that's an uncatchable pass, like it sailed so far over his head or something like that. But I just don't know if he gets to that ball. So to me, that's tough. That's tough in that situation when it is so impactful on the game, especially comparing it to some of the no calls of the past. To me, that was just you know a little nitpicky. But I mean, look, that happens in football. I think it's for for me, and you've played sports all your life. I compared it to like an ump calling balls two inch off the two inches off the plate, and then all of a sudden it's a three two count, bottom of the ninth, and he calls it a strike. Like like there was one holding call 
one PI in this entire game, and it came with 130 left on that on that drive. Like I just need some form of like consistency. Uh, Bradbury's been was getting away with it all game long. There's multiple instances in which those defensive backs of Philadelphia and the defensive backs of Kansas City are hugging, to- are, are holding, tugging, you know, making some impact, deviating routes the entire game. Offensive linemen, you could you could all call a holding call or holding play or holding penalty on any one of these offensive linemen or defensive backs or linebackers on any given play. All of a sudden, when it counts most, that's when you call it. I. I agree with you, and I want to get your perspective on on the inconsistency of refing, umping, etc. Well, it's always inconsistent. It's always inconsistent because there's humans that are doing it, and you know it's never going to be perfect. It's always going to be that way. But that's the way that the game has been played forever. It's always been humans as the uh, umps, the refs, they will like like whatever you want to call it. They've always been in that position, having to make judgment based calls. The one thing I will say is I've been around some referees because they come during your training camps. They're there a lot. They're around teams. They're sharpening their skills. Like, it is pretty remarkable some of the things that those guys can see, what their eyes do pick up in real time. Like, they don't get to back and do go, go back and do instant replay, right? They're picking up all that information and making decisions in real time. So, to me, that's just that, – like, that's part of the game. Um you know, I mean, look, even with the instant replay, there was a play earlier in the game that, man, like, I agreed with who was the person on it, like Mike Pereira, like, like the guy that they bring in for mm-hmm. uh, Fox Sports, like, and he's like, I thought that that could have easily been called a catch, and it was overturned, you know? I mean, like, it is just tough because, uh, it, it, like, it's not a perfect science, and there's judgment calls all over the place. It's just really hard when those calls are so impactful to the game. Sometimes the referees say the only times that we will throw those flags is when we feel like it does impact the game. Like, if it's behind the play, if it's so far away, like, we don't want to call those penalties because we feel like it's not going to impact the game the right way. But, like I said before in my first answer, like, look at that that Saints game. Like, I still know players on that Saints team, coaches on that Saints team that still to this day just cannot believe that that is what kept them from the Super Bowl. Give me your just thoughts on the general game, the entertainment value, the execution, the game plan. Uh, offensively, it was just an electric game. Defensively, uh, not so much, but still, uh, I, I think it was uh, the Super Bowl that I that most wished would come about. The over, I think, was uh, the over under was like fifty and a hook, fifty one points. They far outreached that. I think they reached that in almost the first half. It was awesome. So give me your perspective on the game collectively. Yeah, from an entertainment standpoint, I thought it was great. Um, I think we would all much rather watch Super Bowls where points are scored than those that aren't. Um, I do think, like, I anticipated Philadelphia's defense to do a little bit more. I anticipated them to be able to get some sacks. Um, to have a game against Phillies D where they didn't have any sacks, that was surprising to me. But overall, I felt like the quarterback play, the the scheme, the back and forth of what teams were doing, some of the plays that were called, the design plays that worked, I thought the strategy was really good on both sides of the ball. I mean, to me, it was a really good Super Bowl. It's what it's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to come down to that final drive. It's supposed to be offense is having things schemed up that work because they've had two weeks to prepare. It's supposed to be the two best teams that at times when somebody's down by 10 points, they find a way to rally back. I thought it was cool how special teams were involved. I know the Eagles are probably just, they can't believe it. They don't want to watch that play on the punt return where they had unblocked guys that couldn't make the tackle. Uh, you know, there's some plays that are going to make both teams sick. Philly with the ball where they have the quarterback sneak they jump off sides it's moved back Jalen fumbles it puts it on the ground return for a touchdown I mean they had these plays that you know it's tough it's going to be tough for some of these guys over these next few days to have to you know uh swallow those pills and just live through it but in terms of entertainment and all of the things that you want in a Super Bowl I thought it definitely delivered yeah what really lost Philly the game I think was that defensive touchdown that Kansas City was able to capitalize on. Defensive touchdowns, I don't know what the 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 uh, the data shows, but I have to imagine whenever there's a defensive touchdown executed game, that the likelihood of a win for that team is, is astronomically higher. Yeah, probably. So the thing that's going to hurt Philly the most is when they go back and just know 
you know, we were, what, a foot and a half from, you know, a first down, and we jump off sides or, you know, or like, you know, two-thirds a yard, and then all of a sudden we put the ball on the ground. And in a situation where you have somebody that who's protected the ball really well all season long, um, like an offense that's been able to deliver when they need to deliver all season long, that really hasn't had many of those plays. And then in that moment right there, that play's happened. That play happens. And it's so odd how sometimes a ball gets put on the ground and one of your linemen jumps on it. Or the ball's put on the ground, somebody on the defense jumps on it, you touch him, and okay, we you know, we just gave the ball up, but it's not a return for a touchdown. And it just so happened that ball skips right up into his hands and he gets to return it for a touchdown. Just a huge play and a huge game. From a, a quarterback's perspective, what do you think about the, the two quarterbacks' performances? What stood out to you on the uh, performance of Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts? You know, I thought they both did well. I think one of the big things of why Patrick's stats statistically were down is you look at very few touches that those guys had in the first half. Uh, the Kansas City offense really wasn't on the field that much in the first half, really with not a lot of opportunities to do a lot. So when you look at Patrick's stats and you say, man, like, did he really play a good game? Like, yardage-wise, all of that, it wasn't really anything spectacular. You kind of expected more, but... The reality was they didn't have a lot of plays, like I said, in the first half, and they found a way to make it work. Uh, when you look at the game that they played against the Cincinnati Bengals and how much he had to manufacture, and you know, it, it didn't look like the same Kansas City team because it's not quite the same offense, but you still have Kelsey, you still got Patrick Mahomes, they found a way to get things done. To me, when you find a way to win a Super Bowl, you played a good game. Whether or not statistically it was everything you had hoped it was going to be or what people anticipated it to be. When you find a way to win a football game, when you put together the drives when they need to happen, you had a good game. And, you know, and I thought on the flip side in Philly, I thought for his first Super Bowl coming off the season that he had, you know, you take away the one fumble that was returned. I thought Jalen Hurts played a, like a really, really good game. He did everything that yeah. he could have hoped for. It's just really that, that one play. A couple things I want to delve into. You, you know, the, the Chevy calls. The Philadelphia... And their offensive line, I know that that, that that false start hurt them, but they have almost perfected that that Chevy call. They get low. They get a drive. They get a push every single time. I was floored that Kansas City couldn't figure out how to, how to stay low. Give me your thoughts on that from a, a quarterback standpoint, from that offensive line standpoint. Like How, how effective was, the, was that Chevy group, as I call it? No, they were really good. I think that Greg Olson pointed out a statistic that at the time, Jalen Hurts was like 31 of 33 or 31 of 34 in those short yardage QB sneak situations, which is just a remarkable number. I know that they showed the replay multiple times in slow-mo, and Greg was pointing out just how good of a job they did at pad level, even referring to it as this is what you teach at the Pop Warner levels, get your pads low and drive. And then right now it's the big fad of let's set – somebody one or two guys up behind the quarterback and let's have them and let's have them push let's have them push the quarterback because now we have drive from not only in front but we have it from behind the quarterback and so they really have perfected it and they've been extremely successful even to the point where they were like i want to say just barely inside the two yard line on the goal line and they went and quarterback snuck it in from almost two yards out john on a natural grass field, I have a random question for you just because there was that Kenneth Gainwell slip trying to pick up a first down. Um, is the – like when it, where there's a, like a logo um, or paint, is it more slippery on those natural grass fields with like uh, with like the paint on there? Or what's, what's been your experience there? I mean, it definitely can be. I mean, I would say overall most players prefer natural grass fields. Um you know, I bet if you pulled nine out of, you know, ten, ten guys, nine out of ten across the board, if not ten out of ten, would be like, I'd much rather play on grass. So they prefer grass, um, but there are circumstances. Usually it's not in an area like, like Arizona where it's such a dry climate. Um, that's not usually where it shows up with, like, slippage. Like, it's usually in other climates where the grass, you know, whether, whether it gives, whether it becomes slippery, whether you got to change your cleats and go to the longer spike. I mean, I was surprised to see even off of the painted areas how much slipping was happening because I know how Arizona does that. They grow those fields outside and then they wheel them in almost like underneath the stadium. They bring it from outside to inside. And you just wouldn't expect that to be the, you know, the situation of slipping there. And I've played on that field 
a number of times and never had an issue. So, you know, I don't know if it was something to do with the paint. Uh, I do know that there are some fields that definitely, especially like in end zones where there's usually where there's so much paint or at the middle of the field where there is a big logo that might have taken a lot of paint. I know that sometimes those can be the places, whereas, you know, you have like a little strip of hash or a little strip of numbers. It doesn't usually do that. And last night, I know in both circumstances, I mean, in both, I don't want to say circumstances, but paint and non-paint guys were slipping. John, I want your thoughts on the competitive advantage or disadvantage that Philadelphia has in running their quarterback. Now, early on in your career, you ran the football a little bit. There's always some volatility in that. There's also... Uh, a lot of benefits. We saw multiple times in the Super Bowl where Jalen Hurts is adding to the box and running unabated through the the defensive front and and strolls in for a, a touchdown or picks up a first down. Give me your thoughts on having Jalen involved in the run game in the Super Bowl. I think anytime you can have a quarterback that's able to run, the advantage of having an extra blocker and the athleticism of that person, it's it, like it's always an advantage in the collegiate game, especially the professional game. It's still there. The risk you run in the professional game is how much you are paying that dude to be healthy on the next play. And that's why I think situationally it comes down to the quarterback himself. You know, what type of a guy is he is like, is he able to protect himself? Is his body somewhat of a healthy body? Um, you know, not to knock some of the other quarterbacks around the league, but there are just some guys that you would not want to put them in those situations at all just from a sheer, can their body hold up to it? Um, you know, Jalen is a very strong dude, um, a very, like, muscular body. You look at some of the guys that do this, it's usually that body type because, all right, we can. His body can take three, four hits like that a game. You know, you're like, you're not always going to get, a good, like, a good shot on him. Some of them, it's going to be no different than if they were sacked in the backfield. But there are some times when you're coming off some of those runs and you get by one blocker and you see somebody and all of a sudden there's a backer that you don't anticipate and sometimes it can lay a pretty good shot on you. Um, and, you know, one time you saw Jaden go down, um, Jalen go down out of bounds and you saw him hit his head. And I, as he reached for his head, in my mind I thought, oh, my goodness, if this would have happened closer to when that Tua situation happened and there was such a, you know, a protection of the quarterback, especially when there was a chance of a, um, concussion, my goodness, like if that was right when around that time, they might have had somebody from upstairs flag Jaden and say, or not flag him like a penalty, but grab him and say, hey, he needs to come off for a few plays. It's just quarterback safety is always a premium because not only of how much you're paying them, but of how valuable the starter is to your team. Because when you talk about reps in an NFL season, the starter gets the majority of the reps. Backups get very, very little unless you're on a team like what has a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees into his career where they're not practicing on a Wednesday. But for the most part, that, rep, that those reps go to the starters. And so when you run a guy, you also go risk uh, that situation of all of a sudden having to depend on a guy that really hasn't had that many reps in practice. John Beck here on ESPN 960, breaking down the Super Bowl, getting, getting his overall thoughts on the performances of individual players, the play calls, etc. From a coaching standpoint, what did you think about the play calling? What stood out to you? I mean, I thought there were so many good things. Like, I love seeing the way that Kansas City, whether it's Andy or, or Eric, the enemy of dialing up certain plays that they recognize. And, you know, sometimes you wonder, are they? is this something that they went into the game week with that they had seen on tape? Is this something that where they had said, look, we've seen it here or there on tape, and we're going to have other play calls that essentially will let us know if they're keeping the same rules? Because that's what you look for as a coordinator. You try to look for what rules are they going to be living by defensively, and can I utilize some of those rules and set up something and then try to capitalize on it, which you saw that a couple times where because of the motions and how Philly was trying to track the motion, it gave them a little bit of an advantage to get the same person that was starting the motion to run back in the direction he came from. And so you wonder, you start to see that same motion on earlier plays, and you're wondering, are they using that to try to identify if, Kansas City's going into this game with the same rules because then if they are, they know in their back pocket they have those plays. I think a lot of the times that guy, like that's what happens. I don't think that they are drawing anything up on the sideline. I think that they're ultra prepared and then they try to identify is that rule holding true? Because if so, we know we can get to this play. And so it's cool when you see that happen. And, uh, you know, it's like to get guys that open, it's not always easy. And so that means that something that they saw worked. Even Philly, when I get to the that touchdown run that they had, 
where they did a little motion, they moved somebody, they got Jalen in almost untouched. They knew what they were getting. They knew that against that zero call when they sent the motion out there, it was going to remove somebody. The free guy was going to be coming from the quarterback's right side. And then when they could pull and get somebody to kick out, there's nobody left and it was going to be a walk-in. So it's cool to see those things play out that way because that just goes to the coaches, the time and effort that they put into identifying things on tape. And then it's really cool when you can see it materialize there on game day. It's hard to define where the origins of certain plays come from, right? Uh, I remember watching the BYU-Notre Dame game this year, watching Cody Epps go in motion from the boundary side, uh, stop before reaching the tackle box or getting to the tackle box. Uh, I think Notre Dame was in man coverage, and he reverts back down his line and runs an arrow route to the end zone unabated, uncovered. The defender was not even close. We saw similar concepts, even I think the same concept from Kansas City. What do you think? Where does uh, where do these uh, where do these come from? Who's stealing from who, John? I mean, everybody steals from everybody nowadays. <laughs> um, you know, Andy Reid actually made a comment that he says like uh, a lot of the plays and things that we kind of say are new to football. They come not from the highest levels. They're not coming from the NFL, right? The genius plays are coming from the lower levels, and then the, somebody in the upper levels are seeing that and then bringing it in, and then everybody copies it. But, you know, that's really coming down back to those rules. It's if they have a guy lined up man-on-man and they're not going to rock and kick the safeties or they're going to have somebody that's not going to bump backers to man up on the opposite side, but they're going to require them to run from one side of the field to the other, are they going over the backers? Are they going under the backers? Are they running to the beat the person to the spot on his front shoulder because of either blocking scheme things? Like, There's all these different things that come into play anytime you utilize those motions. And so if you can identify how that team is trying to do that and catch them, and exactly how they're doing it, those plays, those plays will always work because it's too hard on the defense. Like trying to run and beat that offensive player to the spot on the opposite side of the field because whether you believe for an advantage that they could have in run gaps or an advantage that they could have in pass schemes, when you do that, you set yourself up for then anything returning back the other way. I mean, I, I remember playing them. We had a certain motion that was all set up because you started one way, you went to go like you were returning, and because you were returning, the defender had to match you back the other way, and you almost set up your motion to slow down, and then you had to sprint back the other way. And it was a Zorro because you basically made this little Z, and it was all predicated on you going fast, then slow, then fast, and what the defender was going to try to do to match you in man coverage. It's really hard on the defense. I've been told that the, the the initial play call where I think the Z was going in motion, he gets right over the top of Kelsey before reverting back into kind of a bubble screen. Um, I think they call it corn dog. I have no idea why. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the sound here momentarily, but apparently uh, they call it corn dog. Are those plays typically specials, or are they like delineated as like a uh, with like a, in a complicated way? Would you say that those are are typical special calls where they just use like one name, or are they like elaborate in their um their 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 personnel their their position kind of framework and their terminology i think it's because it takes up less space i think what it is is like look if we really wanted to give this name this play a name by our rules formationally emotion right like like we would give all these new names hey you know what instead of giving three new names Let's just call it corn dog, and I, I, I'm guessing there's something funny to it, right? Where like Andy Reid is like, "Can somebody think of a food that always is good?" And somebody probably yelled out, "Corn dog," and they're like, "Fine, whatever, we'll call it corn dog." Um, like, I mean, I like I've been in meeting rooms in the NFL where it's like, "Look, seriously, we got to think of a name," and somebody's just like, "I wish I had a tequila right now," and they're like, "Let's just call it tequila then." And then so the play call is tequila. Like you just you just come up with stuff because it takes less space, right? And everybody, it's easy to remember. It's just like look, instead of us having to like recall everything word by word, can everybody just remember what we're doing? Like you know, Philly did it. Well, with, with, like when they ran the Philly special, they didn't call that play by the shift and the motion and all that stuff and the, the scheme. No, they just said, look, bro, we're just going to call this Philly special. It's just really easy. It's almost taking you back to like your earliest days of football when the coaches were somebody's dad. And the dad didn't know all the scheme stuff, and he didn't know everything perfect. But he's like, look, we're going to run this trick play, and we're going to call it blank. Yes, indeed, and I love it. John, any final thoughts before we let you go and get back to all the things you got going on today? 
No, it's just crazy. I mean, that's that like that right there wraps up football season. You know, uh, yep. football season officially ends. Uh, ended last night, and uh, football season officially started for this next season right now. Crazy man. Yep. Back to it. Never stops. Twenty four seven, three sixty five. John Beck, three D QB. Thanks so much. Thanks for hopping on today. Yep, you're welcome. We'll see you. All right, that was our question of the day. Uh, lots of questions there for, for John, by the way. Uh, plenty of questions out there for John. Great insight. Any th- anything that stood out to you, Sean? You just kind of relished in, in the voice. The I just love that last thought. Uh, 194 days until the start of the college football season when Notre Dame hosts uh, Navy in Dublin, Ireland. That'll be the next, unless you're an XFL guy or mm-hmm. Spring League or any of those other leagues. Uh, which, if you are, you know, USFL, uh, huge power to you. I don't know. Maybe I'll try to get into it this offseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But unless you're one of those guys, 194 days until the next competitive football game. Let's go. we got to talk some hoops on the flip side. Cougars in the pros with Kyle Collins. He's playing overseas uh, in Japan right now. I want to get his thoughts on on uh, the BYU basketball team and uh, season. Also get an update on what he's doing out there in Japan, how he's balling out. This is Cougar Sports on ESPN 960.